Thank you. Thank you, Father, that you give us a word. Lord, you give us your words, the words of life, God, you give to us. So that, God, the times when we feel like we are weak or we are unable, that, God, we can come to you through your word. We can look at what your word has to say to us, and we can find strength there. God, your word is completely sufficient. And, God, I thank you for the fact that uh, we just have it we can go to. We can go to it as, as a source, as a well that we can drink from. And I pray that this morning we would drink richly from that well. That, God, your word would fill us up in a way that nothing else in this world can. That, God, you would speak to us. God, you would speak closely to our hearts in the place that we're in. God, whatever place that may be. Some of us are filled with happiness this morning. Some of us are filled with, with just absolute destruction in our lives. Some of us are filled with, for no particular reason, a sadness that washes over us. And God, we might not even know why. But this is what I know. is that we can turn to your word. We can look at what you have to say to us, God, and we can find strength there. We can find reassurance there. We can find love there, and I pray that this morning we would find those things in your word, and God, that you would speak clearly to us through your Holy Spirit, using your word, God, to speak truth through our hearts this morning. God, we are so thankful for this time that we have. We've had worship time. We've been able to sing your praises, and that is truly amazing. But I believe that as we look at your word and how you have revealed yourself to us, that God, right now we can worship you by you changing our hearts through your word God, you can change our hearts, and that would be worship to you as well. So, Lord, be glorified now as we look at what you have to say to us. I pray that our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears would be open to you right now as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Kayla's already shared a little bit about how the day has gone. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit, too, because this morning we're going to be in a new series. We're going to be talking about the Psalms. Um, you know, sometimes when you read God's word, you kind of like, you feel bad for feeling bad. Am I right? Like sometimes you're like, I shouldn't feel bad, man. I shouldn't be like Peter when he was, I mean, he was walking on the water with Jesus and he took his eyes off Jesus for a little bit and he began to sink. And then Jesus is like, where's your faith? And then you, you like feel bad for feeling bad, don't you? Well, one of the things I like about the Psalms is the fact that, that you see this raw picture of a human being. In the place that he's in, and you see the struggle there, and you see that it's real, and David is just completely honest with us, and he just pours out his heart, and he's honest with God, and we're hearing praises from, from David, we're hearing songs from David, we're hearing David's prayers, I mean, like, this is real stuff, and I read the Psalms, and I'm like, yeah, that's the place that I'm in. I, there are times when I'm like, God, come on, you just got to take my enemy and knock his teeth out, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I need. Am I right, Willie? Willie's like, yes. I saw Willie. I said, I said, knock, knock my enemy's teeth out. And Willie went like, uh, he's praising down there. He's like, <laughs> you feel like that. That's real life, though, ain't it? it? It's real life. Yeah. And, and, and we get like that. Kayla was talking about the tracks not working and, and like strings are breaking on the guitars. And, and you know, and, and as the pastor of the church, I'm responsible for everything, right? I mean, like, ultimately, it, it boils down to me. I mean, that, that's. I'm kind of, you know, you say, well, God's in charge. Absolutely. But for God has put me over this group of people to shepherd these people. And if something goes wrong in the kids department, it's my responsibility. If something goes wrong with the band, it's my responsibility. It really is. And I don't, I, I don't take that responsibility lightly. And I don't say that boastfully. I'm just telling you that that is the place God has put me in. And, and, and there are a lot of things going on. Okay. If I'm just perfectly candid with you, Kayla just said, he, you know, Kenny's always honest with us. 
I'm going to be honest with you right now. There are some things that aren't going very well. Like we don't have a drummer right now. We got band members that got kids that are sick and band members that are out. And I'm like, this is a struggle up here a little bit right now, to be perfectly honest with you. And and it's a struggle back there in the kids' department because we have a sign-up thing that happens online and we don't have people signing up week to week. And we come to Thursday night or Friday night, nobody signed up to teach the kids at the 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock service. And and we start scrambling around texting people, asking people, will you step up? Will you teach? Will you help? Will you do this? Will you do that? It's just not happening right now. And if I'm even more candid with you than that, our, our giving has gone down here at Simple Church. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it's, it's real. And, and to be very honest with you, I don't like rainy days. I just don't like them, okay? Rain depresses me. I don't like rain. And I already knew that the week after Easter Sunday was going to be a low attendance Sunday. That's notoriously low attendance Sunday, right? Like we have high attendance Sunday. We try to invite everybody. The, the Sunday after Easter is always low attendance Sunday. You can depend on that. If you're a pastor, there are pastors all over the United States right now going. They were dreading coming to church on Sunday morning because they knew what it would look like on Sunday morning after Easter. And then on top of that, we got rain here. People don't like coming to church the Sunday after Easter anyway. And then when it rains, they got double the excuse to sleep in and not go to church and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, this is real. I'm being real with you right now. And then on top of that, here at Simple Church, we got a few struggles. Like the fact that it's raining on the third row right there. You know what I mean? Like, our our building has holes in it, y'all. I mean, it's a holy, holy, holy building. You know what I mean? Like, so... (laughs) So, I, and then get this, so, I mean, I, I'm, I, we have, I, okay, I do, I don't know if you get this, but you have this expectation in your mind sometimes, like, man, if I'm doing the work of God, then things should go relatively easy for me sometimes, that I should, like, I should get some sort of break, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm a pastor of a church, and I'm preaching the Word of God, and I'm studying all week long, trying to prepare, and all this kind of stuff. You would think on Sunday mornings, I would get a break, like, just a little one. I'm not asking for, like... You know, like there to just be heaven come down and pick me up and like transport me, teleport me to the church where I don't even have to get dressed. I'm not asking for that kind of stuff. I just, when I was in my car today and I'm sitting there, I'm getting ready uh, to, to drive here and, and, and I, I'm, I'm like, I'm listening to, I got to have my iPod or iTunes kicking the right, it's got to be the right music on Sunday mornings. I got to get, get my mind right, you know what I mean? And like, like God's got to speak to me. I, God speaks to me through music, so I gotta have. So I'm, I'm in my car, and I got my windshield wipers on because it's raining. Did I tell you that I don't like rain? Did I tell you that already? So it's already raining. I'm trying to find the right music on my phone, and I'm like, God's got to speak to me. I need a good song. Come on, God, come through right now, you know. And I'm like, I'm trying to get in the right mindset, and I'm sitting there, my windshield wipers are on high speed because it's raining like crazy, you know. And and all of a sudden, I hear, Flo-a-la. have you ever heard that sound before? Flo-a-la. You know what I mean? That even sounds better when I do it in the microphone like this. My windshield wiper goes flying off. But the good news is, the good news is it's the driver's side where I really need to see. It's not the passenger side that went flying off. It's the driver's side that went flying off. So I'm sitting there, and, and you know I'm just like, come on, man, give me a break, bro. Like, I really needed you. I need the right song. I can't find the right song. And then it's raining all on top of that. It's the Sunday after Easter. I know what that's going to be like. And then I get a windshield wiper flying off. I'm like, come on. 
Can I catch a break, please? Hey, this is, it's, I, I really feel like that's the reason God has brought me to the Psalms for this next series is because it's just raw. It's just real. We need to be real. Y'all, we got to be real. We can't just walk around like, you know, like, like we're angels. You know what I mean? Like, God's got this. It's all going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, like, I never struggle. I never hurt. I never have anything go wrong in my life. I just walk around, and it's like I got angel wings on my shoes, and I just float around all day long. It's not like that. That's not real, y'all. We, I, one of the things that I know about this generation is that one of the things that they will tell you about the millennials, right? We always call them that, right? The younger group. So one of the things they would tell you, one of the things that they desire the most in relationships or, or what is being taught to them or basically just in general, what they desire the most is authenticity, just being real with them. And I, I think the church has gotten away from that a lot. I mean, it's like, it's like we can't be real with people. We can't tell them that giving is down because that sounds bad and all this kind of stuff. I mean, like, I just want to, we're going to try it a different way. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to tell you when the fact that people aren't signing up to work in the kids' ministry, I'm going to tell you the fact that giving has gone down. I'm just going to tell you that stuff and we're going to see what happens. We're just going to say, God, we trust you. Whatever you got in store, we're just going to trust you with that and and we're just going to be honest with each other. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend and act like everything's okay all the time when it's not. Sometimes I am depressed. Sometimes I struggle with depression. Sometimes I get sad because people don't want to don't want to serve. I, I was told recently that somebody left this church because I had said from here that if if you don't want to serve Christ, there's a very good indication that you're not a Christian. They left the church. They don't want to come back here anymore because I said that from this pulpit. Well, let me double down on that and say that if you or a Christ follower, you're going to want to serve in the name of Christ. Amen. Matthew 28, 19 says, go therefore and make disciples. It doesn't say sit there on your rear end and do nothing and come to church every once in a while. It says, go therefore and make disciples. So I feel like we should go. I feel like if, we, if we're called to go, we should go. And if God's talking to his followers and says, go, I feel like that's us. And if you don't go, you're not a follower. I, I I'm sorry. Look, you may be trying to figure this whole Christianity thing out, and you say, well, I'm not really a Christian because I probably... That's fine. Just quit calling yourself a Christian. Just say, man, I, I'm, a, I, I, I'm trying to figure this thing out, and I'm not fully there yet. And, and Kenny said this, and I'm struggling with, with grasping that, and it's really hard to hear, but at least be honest with yourself. Let's all be honest for a little while. Let's just try it. You know what I mean? we got a ton of people that are lying. we got a ton of people that are pretending. Let's not do that. Let's just be honest a little bit. So we're going to look at David this morning. Wow, that took longer than I thought it was going to take. Um, we're going to look at David this morning. Everybody knows about King David. They know that like, you, he killed uh, Goliath, right? Like, so Samuel anoints David. He says, you're going to be king. And basically anoints him as king. And Samuel's a prophet, uh, and, and, and David's the son of Jesse, and he, he's like anointed as king. And then there's this whole battle between the Philistines and the Israelites, and they're on each side of the mountain, and they're like fighting it out, and it basically has Goliath. Y'all know the story of Goliath, right? So Goliath comes out, he said, bring, bring your biggest, baddest dude, come on, fight me. You know, whoever can, can kill me, they win the battle, and... You know, we'll all go home after that. Just bring, bring on whoever you got. You know what I mean? And so Jesse's sons are there, and they're like 
you know, standing on the sidelines going, all right, I don't know what we're going to do here. Goliath's a really big dude. I mean, he's like really, really tall and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and David, he goes, I'll fight him. Bring it on. I mean, he, he's like this little bitty, you know, little bitty teenage kid saying, I'll, I'll fight him. Come on. I, I, I'm not afraid. And Connie was talking about this Wednesday night or a few weeks ago, and she said that, you know, David ran quickly to Goliath to tell him that God would destroy him, that it was not any power that David had within him, but God would destroy Goliath. And it says that, that he picked up five stones. And one thing I was, I actually did some studying about this. I thought about it, I said, well, well, well David's a really, he's a really godly guy, and he's believing that God's going to destroy Goliath. Why didn't he pick up five stones? Didn't he only need one? He only need one stone if he was going to destroy Goliath? I mean... If God was going to do it, he just needed one stone, but David picked up five. Why is that? You know there's a reason why? Do you know there's a reason why? There's indications in Scripture that that there were actually four other brothers of Goliath. That it was almost like God was... And it's not necessarily that David knew this, but God knew it. It's almost like God was saying to the Philistines, he's saying this. He's saying, I killed one of you with one stone. There's four more of you. Bring it on. Bring on your four other giants. We'll kill all them too. He had five stones saying, we only needed one to kill one of you. We got four others. Bring on your other four giants. Man, I, I'm sorry. That just fires me up. It does. That makes me feel like I got wings on my shoes and can fly around. It does. But you know what? So David, he's a human being though, right? He's... He's going to struggle, just like any other human being is going to struggle. Well, Saul, who's king at the time, is jealous of David. Now, we know that jealousy is something that never happens to any of us, but this is what happens to Saul. So David, I mean, like, everybody's, everybody's just like, David is the man. He is awesome. So Saul gets jealous. He says, you know what? In order to thank you for, for killing this giant, this, this Philistine named Goliath, what I'm going to do in order to be able to say thank you is I'm going to run you through with a spear. Well, that's not exactly the way I want somebody to say thank you to me. You know what I mean? Like, I appreciate the offer, and you're welcome, but you don't have to run me through with a spear. You know what I mean? Like, that's a nice gesture of you, but I would rather not die. If you could just leave me alone, that would be an even bigger gift. So anyway, so basically Saul starts pursuing David to chase him, and, and, and David's got to run for his life. So you know where he runs? This is how desperate David is. You know where he runs? He runs to Gath, which, by the way, is where Goliath is from. He runs and hides in the, in the mountains, in the caves just outside of Gath, and, and he's hiding there. That's how desperate David is to get away from the pursuit of Saul. And, and like, this is not a good situation. It's so bad that he's running to the enemy to get away from the people that are supposed to be his people and because they want to kill him. And, and David, he's going like, all right, God, you anointed me king. I killed this giant through your power. Cut me a break, right? Like, wouldn't you be thinking that? Like, don't I deserve something good to happen to me right now? Don't I deserve to at least not be wanted to be killed by my own people? Don't I at least deserve that, you know? 
But I want you to see something here, man. I want you to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. So we're going to look in Psalms 56 here, which happens to be one of my favorite psalms. Now, I don't know why necessarily. All I know is this, is that when I was hurting and I was desperate for a word from God because my daughter was dying, God spoke to me through this psalm. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. God spoke to me through that. And I just, I have latched onto that and I cannot let it go. And, and I wanted to just kind of share it with you today as we look at the whole psalm and look at what God is doing in David at this particular time in David's life. Think about this. And being in David's place. And see if there's not a connection here for you. A place that you are. First of all it says for the choir director. A psalm of David. Regarding the time the Philistines seized him at Gath. To be sung to the tune of Dove on Distant Oaks. Now does anybody have that in their iPod? Dove on Distant Oaks? I don't have that one either. But anyway. So that's the tune that, 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 he's, that he's singing to. Like this is the tune. He must have had it in his iPod apparently. Because he knew how it went. So. Psalm 56, verse 1, it says this. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. This is what he says. So, is your gut reaction always to like be like holy, holy, holy whenever something bad happens to you? Is that, is that the first reaction you always have? Is that, is that the, the first way you react? It's like, oh, it is all good because God in heaven is sovereign and he is in control of everything. And though I smash my finger with a hammer, God still loves me. No, that's not what happens. The flesh starts to take over, right? Joey was telling me that he slammed his finger into a door and like it closed on his finger and it's gushing blood. Just This was Friday, right, Joey? And, and like, he's like, Mm, you know what I mean? There are two people in the truck, so he, he, he's just like gritting his teeth and like, it's all good, everything's fine, you know? Like, but you know, as well as I do, when something bad happens, your gut reaction, your first reaction is not always a sanctified, glorified response, is it not? It's not. It's, it's just reality. It's just not that way, you know what I mean? You smack your finger with that, the hammer. You see... In my life, I have these struggles with my roof, which, by the way, the Lord, of, the Lord God of hosts has spoken, and I'm getting a new roof. So anyway, that is worthy of our praise right there. But anyway, so um, <laughs> I used to have to get up on my roof and make repairs, and I can't tell you how many times I hit my finger with a hammer. I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm a bad shot or because God is trying to teach me a lesson. I'm not sure what it is, but there's so many times where I smash my finger. And, and, but I will say this. I, nothing ever came out that shouldn't have come out of my mouth, okay? But, but, but I will say that, that I was not happy when I smashed my finger with a hammer. I was, I was never really like just rejoicing in the name of the Lord because I had smashed my finger with a hammer. But that is our response, right? Like the flesh is the first thing that cries out, right? Like, like the spirit is the second thing that cries out, but the flesh is the first thing that cries out whenever you're hurting, whenever you're struggling. And in our daily lives, this is what happens, right? When, when, when we hurt, when something happens in our lives, the death of a loved one, disease is, is striking our family, there's somebody in our family that is, that is strayed and gone apart and they don't want anything to do with us anymore or any number of things that come against us every single day, 
Our gut reaction is not immediately to fall down on our face before God and, and, and start praying to God. That's not exactly our first reaction. A lot of times it's just we shed tears or we want to fight somebody or, or we're just overwhelmed with anger or malice or something. Like all the bad stuff comes out first, right? And David's just a human being. And he's like, all I can see right now is the fact that my enemy wants to attack me. The people that, that were supposed to care for me and love for me, they've turned their backs on me. And now I'm in the face of my enemy. My enemy's right here. And, and they're wanting to destroy me. They're wanting to attack me. And that's just reality, y'all. That's just the way that it is. That, that David is just being open with us going, hey, things kind of stink right now. It's really not going well for me. And it's right there in his face. But look at what he says. Verse 3, it starts out with, But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will praise God for what he has promised. And I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do unto me? So you can see David start to have this conversation with himself, right? So he starts out by talking to God. He says, oh, oh but, but wait, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. I praise God that, for what he has promised, I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? He's like this struggle that's going on in his mind. I put my trust in God. That's what I do when I'm afraid. And I really believe that one of the reasons that this particular psalm stuck out to me when I was struggling with my daughter's cancer was the fact that I asked her immediately after she was diagnosed and she was laying there in the ICU and her brain was swelling and she couldn't open her eyes because basically the, brain on, the pressure on her brain was so, so intense that, that she couldn't really open her eyes to let light in because it would make her head hurt even worse. And she was on tons of steroids trying to suppress the swelling in her brain. This was immediately after she was diagnosed and laying there in ICU. And I looked at her because she knew, we told her, I tell this story over and over and over again, y'all, because it's real and I want you to know that I hurt just like anybody else hurts. And now I will shed tears because I hurt just like anybody else does. But I remember so vividly her laying there in ICU. And I'm, I'm to the right side of her bed. And, and she can hear my voice, but she can't open her eyes because it hurts too bad. And I tell her, she's got to have surgery tomorrow. And they're going to try to take a lot of that pain away. But they are going to they're gonna have to cut your, your brain open, basically. And they're going to have to remove that tumor that's in your brain. That's what's causing you to have so much pain, right? And she said that she was afraid. Now, as a dad... That's kind of like the worst thing that you can hear from a kid is that they're afraid. Because as a dad, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take all that on. You're supposed to protect them in such a way where they don't have to be afraid. And if that means carrying an Uzi around with you, if that's what it takes, so they're not afraid, then that's what you do, right? Dads, you know where I'm coming from on this. But there was nothing I could do right here. There was nothing I could do. All I could do was just, just hurt with her. And I was hurting just as bad with her hearing her say that she was afraid. So I only knew one place to go, right? And she only knew one place to go too because I asked her, I said, Kenneth, now, where do we go when we're afraid? What do we do when we're afraid? And she said, we pray. We pray. And I was, that was the answer I was looking for, right? So her dad here on earth couldn't do anything, but her father who was in heaven, he could do something. And at that point in time, the only thing that he had to do was listen to her. That's all she needed. She needed to know that God was listening to her. Listen to me, y'all. 
God's listening to you. He's listening to you. You understand? That he knows what's going on in your life and he knows how you hurt. And he's listening to you. He knows, look, he knows that it's raining inside the building. He, he knows who was going to be here on Sunday. He knew that the windshield wiper was going to go flying off of my car this morning. He knows all that. He knows what your mortgage looks like. He knows what family members you wish were here this morning that aren't here. He knows. And when you cry, he knows. David's having this whole conversation. He says, I'll trust in the Lord. I'll trust in the Lord. He says, what, what can mere mortals do unto me? What, what, can, what can people do? And what, what, is, what is David doing here? He's lifting his eyes from the right here, right now, in this moment, and looking to the eternal. The fact that God does not exist within time and space like we can understand. That he is beyond all of that. And he's just looking at that situation going, this is a temporary situation because these are people and they will live and die just like I will. So I'm going to put my hope in something that is beyond me and I'm going to put my hope in something eternal, which is God. And that's the conversation he starts to have right here. He says, "Why should I, in, in, my trust is in God. Why should I be afraid? That's where my trust is. Why, why, why am I afraid? Because my trust is in something that is eternal. My trust is in a God who knows everything, has been every place that, that I'm about to go. He's been there. He's seen it all. He knows what is to come. Why am I afraid of what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes when God's already been there? He's already been to the places I'm about to go. he starts to have, I mean, because just like you and I, David starts to have this conversation with himself. He's, he's looking at his enemies again. Isn't that the way we do things? Like we, we, we start to think on God and then sure enough, as soon as we hear the enemy knocking on the door again, as soon as the test results come back, as soon as we see that Facebook post by that wayward family member, all of those things, it's like it comes back instantly, Right? comes back instantly we start to think about the enemy again and that's what's going on I, I, I love the fact that this is so real they're always twisting what I say he's, he's like he's looking to God saying God's where I put my trust then he's looking at his enemies now but I think he's doing it with a little bit different perspective now they're always twisting what I say they spend their days plotting to harm me they come together to spy on me watching every step and eager to kill me he says he says my enemies are constantly pursuing my constantly after me the test results continue to come and come and come. I can continue to hear about this situation or that situation. Or, or, or I look at the checkbook and I see that this is what's going on in my life right now. And I say, man, I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if I can actually give because I can't afford to pay my mortgage. I don't know if I can do that. I know that I should be giving. I don't know if I can because I look at the checkbook and it doesn't seem to make sense that I could be able to give. 
Because my enemies are constantly pursuing. He says, they're plotting against me. They're watching every single step I take. They're looking for me to slip up is what they're doing. They're looking for me to make just one little mistake so they can take advantage of me. They're looking for me to stick my head out from around the corner, and they'll say, there he is. Let's go get him. They're twisting my words. Thank goodness none of us ever have that happen to us, right? Like you say something and somebody will twist your words, and then they'll say, you're not going to believe what so-and-so said. You're like, I didn't even say that. That didn't come out of my mouth. That's not, and if it was what came out of my mouth, that's not the context, and it's certainly not what I intended to mean. His enemies are constantly pursuing him. But this is where, look where he, he turns now for his help. He says, don't let them get away with their wickedness. Do you think that David's talking to himself? You think that David is talking, he's saying, David, don't, don't let them get away with their wickedness. No, he's not talking to himself. He's already said that he puts his trust in God and he's not afraid of mere mortals. He's not afraid of the temporary. His trust is in God. So he says this. He says, don't let them get away with their wickedness, God. This is in your anger, O oh God. Bring them down. Now, some people will say, they'll look at this passage and say, Oh, David, he was praying that, that God would destroy his enemies. Well, that don't sound very nice. At least he was being real with God. At least his trust was in God. At least he was to the point where he said, you know who has control over my enemies? There's only one, and that's God. That's God. He's the one that has, has control over every single thing that comes against us, over every single cancer cell that, 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 that rises up, over every single tumor that forms itself in the brain. God has control over those things that are coming against us. God, destroy those things that are our enemies. And sometimes those, things, those enemies are even in our own minds. Sometimes those things are, are things that, that well up in our minds that aren't even really big deals, that, that we make it out to be a big deal. Like the fact that it's raining on the third row. Not even a big deal. Because I promise you, if I was in Haiti right now, and there were three holes in the roof and it was dripping a little rain, I promise you I wouldn't be worried about that if I was preaching in Haiti right now. We let things well up in our minds, and this is a big deal, and that's a big deal, and having to play with tracks is a big deal because we don't have a drummer. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, y'all. We allow things to come up in our minds, and we think that they're a big deal. They're not a big deal. They're not a big deal. And believe it or not, even the things that are a big deal that we think are a big deal, and we think, well, it's legitimate that they're a big deal, right? I said big deal like eight times right there. They're really not even big deals. Even the fact that David's got his enemies pursuing him right now, even though they want to kill him, they twist his words, and they, they make him out to be something that he's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Because there's a God who is sovereign, who is in control, who knows the steps that David is about to take. He knows what's going to happen. He knows the end result. And he even knows that what he is allowing David to go through right now will not harm him, but only strengthen his faith, only allow him to grow in his understanding of who God is. So, so when, when Peter was walking on the water with Jesus, and Jesus asked, where's your faith? Why are you struggling right now? And he allowed him to sink, which God is the one that allowed Peter to sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus. That, that's what God was doing. He was strengthening that faith. So that when, when Peter 
was confronted with people that said, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're going to take your life. And, and Peter could stand strong in the face of that and go, take my life if you want to. He's still God. And God's still doing a work. But in our limited, finite human minds, that's all we can see is the struggle, the problems, the difficulties. The fact that she may die from that brain tumor. That's all we can see. And all we can pray for is that God, just heal her body. Just make this right. Just fix it. And then on the other side, after she's passed on and and she's gone to be with her father in heaven, and I go, he's bringing her comfort right now because she's in his presence. And here I am sharing her testimony about the fact that she was laying there and she was on the brink of death and she was praying to the one true God who had everything within his control. You see, I, I wish I could, I could stand up here and tell you that it all works out smooth and it all works out fine and she'll be healed of that cancer and, and the brain tumor go. I wish, y'all, because I would give anything to be able to have her sitting on the front row right now listening to me preach. I would, I, anything. But you know what? The bigger picture is this, is that God's in control. And he knew that her life would end. And he knew the steps that David was going to take. And he knew exactly what the enemy was going to do. And he knows and he listens. He knows and he listens. I mean, like, if you're not going to hear every, anything else today, just hear that today. God knows and he listens. And we were at, at Secret Church on Friday night. Several of us went there. And we were praying for people in Iran. And I mean, we were listening to their, testimon their testimonies, y'all. And I, I promise, like, we think we have struggles. I'm telling y'all, just listen to these people that are in Iran. And, and like, 98% of the population is, is Muslim. And, and they fall under Sharia law and all these kinds of things. Like, like, we have no idea what struggles are. And these few Christians are trying to raise up house churches and, and, I mean, we're listening to their testimony, and we are praying to God for these people. They put up several prayer requests up on the screen, and we're praying in small groups for these people. And, and David said this. David Platt said this. He said, he said God calls us to intercede with, for these people with prayer, and God responds to that. He said, now, I don't know how all that works. All I know is that we pray, and God responds, and it's part of his sovereign plan for all of us to be part of that. And I'm like, yes, yes. And here we see, this is what we see. We see David being honest. He says, don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, God, bring them down. He says, keep, you keep track. Not only do you see my enemies and you see all that they're doing, he says, you keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in a bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. He says, You've seen every single thing that I'm struggling with. You know every single detail about every single thing that I'm struggling with. There's nothing that has escaped you. All those tears that you shed, all the things that you're hurting over. So I've seen every single one of those. I know how bad you're hurting. I know exactly where you are in this struggle in your life, and I haven't forgotten about you. And David is acknowledging right here, he says, just like you see my enemies, you see me. You see me in my struggle. And then his perspective starts to change. He says, my enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. 
This I know. God is on my side. How many times have you forgotten that? I mean, we feel like we're just struggling against God so many times and we forget the fact that God is on our side, that God wants to give us the strength and wants to give us the ability to do the things of God. Now, if you're going against God and you're sinning against God, yes, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. But when you are pursuing God and pursuing the faith, the face of God, God is for you. He's there preparing a way for you. Now, not always does it look real pretty like we've just talked about, but he's preparing a way for your faith to be strengthened and you to pursue him even closer and even deeper and even to be able to pursue reaching other people with the truth of God's word. That God is for you. You know how many times I've had to recite that in my brain? This I know for God is for me. God is for me. Because I forget, forget that so many times in my life that God is actually for me. Doesn't that seem like a big deal to you? When God is for you? And David, in his strife, in his anguish, he has to remember that. That God is on my side. He says, I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. In other, in other versions, it says, I, I will praise him in his word. In his word, what he has said, what he has promised. And I want you to know something, that this is not just a promise for you to have wealth, health, and prosperity here on this earth. It's an eternal promise. It's so much bigger than this earth. It's for all of eternity. That's what he's promised. He's promised you put your faith in me. You put your trust in me. You can spend eternity with me, which is so much bigger than the strife and the struggles that we feel here on this earth. It's that word, that promise that we put our hope in. It's not making sure everything works okay and that, that all the windshield wipers stay attached to our car. It's not that kind of promise. It's an eternal promise, one that's so much bigger than anything that we struggle with here on this earth. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do unto me? He goes and reiterates what he says at the beginning. So he was struggling with thinking about these people and, and what they could do unto him. And now he's looking and says, what can they really do to me? What can really befall me that I should be so worried about? Because the reality is that my hope is in eternity, not here on the things of this earth. My hope is so much bigger than anything that they could do to me. These are just people. I serve God, and God is for me. He says, listen, listen to how he wraps it up here. Two more verses. I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and I will offer a sacrifice of thanks, thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. This is what he says. Worship. He says, I can give you praise, Lord. In the midst of all the struggle, all the difficulty, all the strife that I am enduring in my life, I can recognize that it is not about what is going on right now, but the bigger picture of what you're working in my life and the fact that you are strengthening my faith and you are showing me that you have eternal promises for me that you have held and put in my heart and I can worship you in the midst of all that is going on. You have given me life. God, you have given me strength. You have given me the very power of the resurrection to live within me. 
You have given me these things, and I can rejoice in that because there is a hope that is beyond this world. That's the reason. That's the reason that when Kenneth was dying and she was laying there in the hospital bed after having suffered for 15 months with cancer, and I was watching her heartbeat on a monitor, and I could praise God. I could, give, I could offer him thanks. We could worship him in that moment. My hope is not in what that heart monitor says. That's not where my, my hope lies. My hope does not lie in that. The cancer is my enemy, and I pray and I wish that God would destroy that cancer. Absolutely. But my hope is not in whether or not that cancer is destroyed. My hope is not in whether or not that heart monitor continues to show a blip. My hope is in an eternal God who's given me eternal promises and who has saved my daughter from her sin and given her a hope for eternity with Him that no matter what happens, I will still be able to proclaim His goodness. I will still be able to, to tell her testimony about how God rescued her and I will still be able to tell the, about the goodness of God in spite of her death because I have a hope. I have a hope that goes beyond what I can see and what I can touch and what I can feel right now. God hears you. God hears you. God is on your side. And your hope is not in what you can see, touch, feel, and hear. Your hope is in eternity. Which can only come from one place. And that is God. Where is your hope? Where do you find your strength? I know your gut reaction from the very beginning is, is just the flesh. I get it. Because I'm there with you. But at the end of the day, when all is said and done, and you lay down on your bed at night and put your head down on that pillow, where is your hope? Did you need to just hear a word from God today so that He could say, I am for you? Did you just need a word from God today to just say, I know that you're hurting and I've seen every tear and I've stored them up in a bottle so that I know every single thing that you're doing. Did you just need to hear that today? Do you know why you heard it? Because God knows the struggles that you're going through right now. He knows every single detail about your life and He knows exactly the place that you're in and He knew exactly what you needed to hear today. That's why you're here the Sunday after Easter. That's why you're here in the midst of the rain. God knew what you needed to hear. Let me pray. Father, thank you for being the sovereign Lord of the universe whose majesty we can't even begin to comprehend. God, your love for us is beyond what we can understand. And Lord, I just say thank you. All I know to do is to praise you, to worship you, to sing out and before every man and woman to just cry out about your goodness. Even in spite of the fact that it's raining and even in spite of the fact that attendance is low and even in spite of the fact that my daughter had passed away from cancer, God, I can still praise you and worship you and sing of your goodness because you are good, because you love me and you are for me. God, I can praise you just like David could sing your praises. And he said he would keep his promises to you, that he would proclaim your goodness. Is the promise that he... He made to God the vow that he took to God to, that he would proclaim your goodness no matter what happened. And God, today we just proclaim your goodness. We just sing out and say, God, you're good and you're gracious and you're merciful. And some people may need to fall on their face before you today. And they may need to just say thank you. 
And there are some people that are hurting today and they may need to just say, God, thank you for speaking to me, for reminding me of how good you are and how much you love me. And there are some people today that say, God, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not at the place where I can proclaim your goodness. I'm just hurting too bad. And maybe they just need to come down to this altar today, fall down on their face before you, and say, God, I need you. I need you to strengthen my faith because I'm weak right now. Whatever the case may be, God, I pray that your people would respond to you. God, I pray that you would do a great work in our hearts and in our minds now as we sing your praises. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand? Mm-hmm.